Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. And Tide fans, have we got a treat for you. We have Brian Reeves, the voice for Austin P. Athletics, joining us tonight to give us a rundown on all things Austin P. It is a phenomenal conversation, discussion, Probably one of the top experiences that I've had doing this. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous conversation. And we so hope that you will enjoy this. So let me stop talking and pass it off to the interview. Go. Well, welcome back, Tide fans. And have we got a treat for you? We have the one and only Brian Reeves, the voice of the Austin P. Governors. Brian, how are you this afternoon? Dave, great. Glad to be with you. Appreciate the invite. Always good to talk a little Austin Peay football, even when we're going against one of the best of the nation and one of the best historically in my lifetime. Well, I, you know what? Uh, I didn't tell you when we were chatting a minute ago, but I'm from Nashville uh, originally, strongly considered going to Austin Peay. And so I just have always had an affinity uh, for Austin Peay. I lived in St. Louis a couple of years uh, out, of, out of school, and I drove through Clarksville so many times on the on the way back and forth. Uh, so I've always had an, an affinity for uh, for Austin Peay. And uh, I think this is the first time uh, our football teams are getting a chance to uh, to match up. And so uh, I'm super, super excited about that. Let's talk about uh, Austin P a little bit. Uh, seven and three overall, uh, seven and one in the, in the FCS and uh, probably fingers and toes crossed everywhere uh, about Sunday's selection and uh, yeah. getting into the playoffs. Talk about just, you know, high level, but talk about Austin P in the season uh, that they've put together this year. Sure. And you said it's seven and one on the FCS level, seven and three overall, also losses to uh, Western Kentucky in our opener. Lost by set, uh, eight there. Lost to Jacksonville State. You guys are very familiar with Jacksonville, Alabama, and the Gamecock program. 
Uh, long been foes with Jacksonville State where we were members of the Ohio Valley Conference, now making the move to the A-Sun. And then now Jacksonville State going to make that jump to FBS. We're going to stay put for a couple of years and keep our toes in the FCS waters. But uh, it's been a fun year. This is a group that has gotten better every week. And I know every coach wants to hear that or every fan wants to see their team get better every week. Uh, but that's truly the case. We brought in a, a graduate transfer quarterback, Mike DeLillo. We'll talk about Mike, I'm sure. Um, and, and it took him a while to develop that chemistry with the receivers, to develop that chemistry even with the offensive front. Uh, we had an offensive line that started five brand-new bodies. Uh, the only person who had a start was at left guard, Harrison Wilkes, and those were three starts as a bonus tight end last year, basically an extension of the offensive line as a blocking end. So he made the move. I won't say he ate his way down the offensive line, but we'll give Harrison a little bit of a hard time. But th- th- it's a group that just had to come together offensively. Defensively, uh, Chris Kappas, uh, long been known with the Mount Union group at the D3 level, came over to us a couple years ago when Scotty Walden became our head coach. Uh, and defensively, we've just gotten stronger and stronger. It's literally a matter of – it's almost a mad scientist on the defensive side. that We do some things defensively just to throw some schemes at you you won't look at. Uh, just for an example, this past weekend at Kennesaw, we've been a three-man front the entirety of this first ten games of the year. We throw a four-man front at Kennesaw just because of what they run offensively and that little read option and the, the old wing T look, if you will. Uh, so throwing things at people, giving you different looks, creeping the maybe the spur backer or the dropping him back will make him look like a, a double high safety look. So our defense is uh, is is basic except for the looks. I'll never call anything exotic. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, we throw looks at you that try to j- just to catch you off guard and try to you start when you start counting hats and try to man up, match up. Uh, that's where we try to do some things differently that maybe you hadn't seen on film or hadn't schemed for. Talk about this uh, head coach, uh, Scotty Walton, uh, Walden, uh, you know, looking at his bio a little bit. Uh, he's been the youngest coach at some level of football more than once. And, uh, and he's still uh, very much a young man. Uh, perhaps may still be the youngest coach uh, at D1. Uh, he's highly regarded as an offensive innovator, and uh, just he seems to have a focus, a motivation, and energy about him. Talk about Scott Walden. Love to talk about Scotty. I'll tell you the first bad part. You're exactly right. Thirty year old head coach. So the radio guy's got 19 years on him. So that that you know that always makes me feel good when I'm the old guy in the room. But it, he, you know, you always hear the term players coach, and and, and I thought I'd seen it until I met Scotty Walden. He is the epitome of what a player's coach is. Now, granted, he's not that far removed, uh, eight to ten years over a lot of these guys, just in age in general. So he still knows what's hip and cool. He, nobody had to explain Instagram to him like they did my kids did to me. But that's you know, he gets in the locker room. He, he's in the locker room not just as a coach. He'll get in there and sit down with a guy he recruited, asking about grades and classes, and have has he called his mom or has he talked to family? Or are they coming in for the weekend? You know, he's one of those guys. It is a big picture with Scotty Walden where I almost at times when I see him and watch him operate, 24 hours in a day can't be enough, but but he makes it be that way. Uh, it, it, the coaching staff around him, uh, there's a nice mix. We've got some young guys that are just getting into the coaching profession. We've got some long-tenured veterans that have gray hair like myself in, in the room. So he's got a nice balance on the staff that he can bounce things off of and work through this group with. But uh, the, the young men that he's been bringing into Austin Peay that he's connected with to make them become governors and come to Clarksville, uh, they've produced. And that's the nicest thing you can say is that he brings kids in here and he tells you, if he tells you, look, you can do this for me. And he'll tell them honestly, look, you can do this for me, but it may be a year or two because I've got somebody in front of you. I've seen him have those conversations. 
Uh, so oftentimes, no matter the level, no matter what sport, uh, sometimes there's a bill of goods and a, and a young man or a young lady comes in and they sit and sit and sit and never get those opportunities. And we've seen now with the transfer portal, it becomes so fluid nowadays that they don't stick around. He's honest with them on the front end to make sure if you're going to come here, it may take you a year or two. I may put you in a red shirt and throw you in that locker room and get you on the diet program and, and really build you as an athlete. But I'm still going to make sure that the student part of it comes as well. It's, it's been fun to watch Scotty uh, work in the last three years and kind of develop himself. You know, we knew what he was, like you said, offensive guru coming from the D3 stages in Texas, went to Southern Miss, coach line, uh, coach uh, receivers, uh, was an OC and then an interim head coach there uh, a couple years ago when they went through their troubles. And now to see him just take the reins, let this be his program, put his stamp on it, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, it is fun to watch uh, a, a program build with a coach that really knows what they're doing, has a plan, and you can see the the forward momentum, the progress of the plan. Uh, let's take it to the field and talk about uh, quarterback uh, Mark uh, Mike DeLillo. What sort of uh, offensive style can uh, Tide fans expect from Austin P and Mike? Our base is a spread option. You know, we're going to run it out of the pistol or out of the gun 90% of the time. If we go under center, it's probably in red zone and goal line situations. DeLillo, like I said, the young man comes to us from Pembroke Pines, Florida, over 2,000 yards through the air, uh, 21 touchdowns, only nine interceptions. So he's very smart with the football. A couple of those interceptions were tips uh, and forces. A couple of interceptions that are halftime heaves, just trying to get something on the board before you go in. So you kind of discount those. He's got over 400 yards rushing. I would not call Mike a running quarterback. I would call him an opportunist uh, when it presents himself. He takes care of the football and he takes care of himself and his body. He gets positive yards. Even if you fall forward for two or three to keep yourself out of those sack situations or negative situations to play ahead of the chains, uh, just very smart with the football. Started, like I said, in Florida. Uh, went to an institution that discontinued football. He transferred to Middle Tennessee, uh, MTSU, the Blue Raiders. Uh, it, former opponents of Alabama a couple years ago, I know, uh, and, and that found his way here. Just, again, got into a crowded quarterback room at middle, ended up having an opportunity to come here to us, uh, and he's, he's flourished in this system. He, uh, There's enough arm. I won't call it a big arm, you know, but there's enough arm. It, it gets it where it needs to be, whether it's outside the hashes or whether it's down the field. Uh, he, he's a guy that you've got to respect, and he's not going to put our offense or put the governor's in negative positions. That's the best description I can put, yeah. and it's a high compliment, in my opinion, for any quarterback. Looks like a, a trio of productive running backs, pretty even distribution uh, of carries. Uh, and if I dare say, a couple of them might be a little bit undersized. But talk about the running back uh, sort of committee and uh, what Alabama fans can expect uh, from these fellows. Well, you can call them undersized. Every one of them is under six foot legitimately, even with cleats on on concrete. Uh, the, the main starter will be C.J. Evans Jr., young man from Mobile, Alabama. A lot of folks may even know that name coming from uh, uh, McGill Tulane High School. But C.J. made the national news. If you remember, we opened up two years ago in the Crampton Bowl against Central Arkansas. The first time C.J. Evans touched the football, he went 80 yards for a touchdown. So after COVID had shut down the world, the first college football game gets played, C.J. Evans takes it to the house. So he is long going to be remembered in the lore for the first time he ever touched the football. CJ's a guy, you said it's a three running back rotation. CJ Evans, Josh Samuel, and Javon Jackson. They're all three different aspects or different types of runners. CJ's a guy that is a second gear guy. If you get him to the second level, if the offensive line does their job and gets him to the second level, he's got that next gear. He can put his foot on the throttle and go. Josh Samuel, a graduate transfer from us. 
is the pounder. He's the guy that's going to play between the tackles. He wants to square his shoulders up and run you over. Uh, it's just the style of football he plays. It's a very 80s NFC, Chicago Bear, New York Giants style of runner. There's not a lot of flash. There's not a lot of, of, of dash. But you don't want to square up in an open A-gap and try to take down Josh Samuel on, on his own. And then Javon Jackson, our third option there, redshirt freshman out of Decatur, Alabama. Tell we've been in Alabama recruiting quite a bit. <laughs> right. Javon's a young man, redshirt, still learning. Still, I don't know that Javon Jackson knows how good he can actually be. 560-plus yards on the season, uh, a couple of receptions as well, learning out of the backfield. And this, in this offense, you've got to play. The running backs will go into slot receiver looks as well. Uh, but Javon's one of those guys that can be an every down back. Right now, he's still a first and second down back, still learning a lot of it. Uh, but I think by the time that he sticks around with us, by the time his junior and senior year comes, uh, he will be a every down back, a productive back. Already is. Uh, but his style, it's just it, it, gazelle-like at times, grunter at times. He's just, he, can, he can fit both molds. But the sky is still the limit for Javon Jackson. He figures out what he has and the good Lord has given him to, to work with. Complete package there, it sounds like. Talk about uh, similarly maybe a trio of receivers that maybe have separated themselves uh, from the pack. And uh, Dre, uh, Dre McCrary, would it be fair to say that uh, if he were a couple inches taller, he might be playing in the SEC, that he has that kind of talent? Maybe over He wouldn't be. You're exactly right. Big play wouldn't be here. Big play, Dre McCrary, last year FCS All-American uh, out of Tallahassee, Florida. So I'm not sure how the Seminoles let him get away other than, like you said, uh, maybe two or three inches too short, but he fits our our, our mold. Uh, as fast, the best the best way to describe Dre is he understands the football field. You know, we always talk about a point guard in basketball having court vision. You know, you always talk about seeing the field and knowing what's going on. McCray can find his way into a zone, can find his way underneath man coverage. Uh, we call him Big Play Dre. That's because that's exactly what he's been for us all season long. You look at a guy, uh, all, 929 yards going into this Saturday against Alabama, so hopefully get him over the 1,000-yard mark again this season. Just, just so precise. He can outroute you. He can outrun you. He can, he can find his gaps in the zone. He just has that football point guard knowledge, and, and that's what's been the biggest piece of him. Complimentary of him is James Burns, a young man, redshirt sophomore, transfer to us uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina. Actually went to Miami to start his college career as a returner. Um, honestly, got lost in the shuffle, kind of like we talked about with DeLillo. One uh, of the place where he could hit the, hit the field and play, and this was it. Uh, Burns, again, undersized, five foot eight, 160 pounds, 70 pounds, soaking wet maybe. But again, knows the route concept, not afraid to get dirty in the middle of the field. Uh, not afraid to go, you know, up against the bigger defensive backs, which we know we'll see this week in Alabama. Uh, but he'll go up and, and fight with them. And, and I, he's one of those guys that may be listed at 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he'll play like he's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, just the way his body allows him to do so. And then the third rotation that back, there's, there's been a lot. Uh, Trey Goodwin, a young man from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, jo uh, Joshua DeCambra, a young man who transferred to us out of uh, Long Island, New York. Uh, so there's been a kind of a rotation. But Burns and McCray are your main two. Cam Thomas, who is now on the Jerry Rice Award watch list, uh, more for his special teams numbers, but he's learning his way into that offensive rotation. He's a redshirt freshman from Birmingham, is Thomas. Again, got on the field instantly on special teams because of his athleticism. You could not have him on the field. 
now that he's learning the route concepts, now that he's learning the plays and, and be in the right spot when you're needed to, which, you know, the best thing about all freshmen is they become sophomores. And, and so Thomas has gotten that. He's gotten a better grasp on what's being asked of him, and he's seeing more and more time on the field. And so it's almost turned into a kind of a five-man rotation at receiver spot. Talk about uh, tight end uh, Jordan Goko, uh, 6'7", 240. He's got to be a short yardage sort of target. Doesn't have many catches, but uh, I just have visions. Uh, Alabama's been known to struggle with the tight end. Uh, always check out who's a tight end playing against us. What do you got to say about Jordan? Well, he, he's he's not Cameron Latu, I'll tell you that. But Jordan's a great guy, transferred to us from Campbellsville. He's already graduated, working on his master's with us, so he's coming to us. He's the only tight end on the roster that has a catch. You know, it's a three-man group with Goko, Jack Baker, and Noah Williams. Uh, Jack has had a couple of targets, just unfortunately hadn't caught him in. Uh, Noah's been that blocking guy that's come in when we've gone short yardage or buffalo is what we call it when we go with double tight end sets. Uh, Goko's been fantastic. As you said, just 10 catches, a little over 100 yards, but he's that guy that you know you can count on. He's that check down guy. You'll see him on Saturday with us in motion, almost an H-back look. Uh, I will dare say, for all of us old folks, he's Mark Bavaro. He's not a guy that's going to be consistently throwing the football, but he'll be the guy at the end of the line who will take out a defensive end, will go get that outside backer, will lead the run game. He'll line up at fullback at times when we look at those packages. Uh, You'll see a lot of 23 moving around in the backfield, and Goko's that guy. But, again, if you need that dump out in the flat, you need that short yard situation just to find that big, tall target, that's Jordan Goko for this offense. Talk about the offensive line, you know, in the in the uh, uh, FCS, uh, not ranked real well in terms of giving up sacks, uh, yeah. giving up uh, a bunch of those. And um, I don't have the the depth chart, but what I was able to to try to uh, sort of suss out uh, looks like no three hundred pounders amongst the starters. Uh, might be a bad week for that. I don't know. Uh, talk to me about the offensive line. Well, this offensive line is undersized, and there's no doubt about that. But what we've done all year with offensive line coach Ryan Stanchek, his first year coming to us, is move. It's not a square you up and, and drive straight ahead. We'll do, you know, again, I keep making references. We'll go Denver Bronco on you. We'll pull a guard. We'll swing left and right. We'll go, we'll run the old uh, uh, Washington Redskin power trap and, and bring the right side of the line around the left side to lead the running back out to the area. So, uh, it's led by Jalen Armstrong in the middle, uh, one of the smartest young men you'll ever talk to as a center. Uh, you know, he's in charge of all the line calls, as all centers are, but love the way he plays, just consistent and steady as she goes. Uh, he will stand up when he needs to, and uh, uh, if somebody's getting on pile or trying to clean up some loose change, he'll go in there as well and, and take care of his guys. But uh, this is a group that, as I said, all five starters, when we started at Western Kentucky to start this season, there was two starts in this group. That's Harrison Wilts. He'll start at left tackle, young man from Germantown, Tennessee, 6'4", 260. His two starts were at tight end a season ago. Basically, like I said, an extension of the offensive line, kind of like how we use Noah Williams now. Worked his way in, knew he was an offensive lineman, just had to had some spots last year with some spot starts. Now he's starting at left guard. He's gone all season long. Isaiah Wright, a young man who transferred us from Dodge City Community College. Uh, he's the biggest guy on the line, 6'3", 252. That number has gone down a little bit. It started in the 270 range, and is you know he's as season goes, everybody gets a little lighter up there and works their way off. Uh, but this is a fluid offensive line. We will move people. We will slide protect. We will do some things. So having to overcompensate for that size difference has forced us to do a few things. And like I said, offensive coach Ryan Stanchek, who's also the run game coordinator for this governor team, uh, he's not afraid to pull a guy. He's not afraid to put a guy – 
uh, swing it or, or double it at the A-gap and bring Doko in as kind of that pullback to be that extra piece in that middle of the line. Yes, I know. Young, Otis, and Smith across the front are going to be an absolute handful for us. That's the way it is when we go up to the FBS level. But but we will do our best to kind of move some things, maybe even move the pocket, roll the pocket. And, you know, we experimented with some things early with Western Kentucky. Had to do that same thing with Jacksonville State with the quality of defensive linemen they put on the field. But they, this is a very mobile – yes, like you said, they're not going to be the first guys off the bus to impress you. Like, wow, that's a huge human being. But they will move and they will be very active with the hands and, and they'll keep protection as much as they can. Ryan, I'll tell you, you've already said a couple of things that uh, Alabama fans would trade a couple five stars for. Uh, a team getting better over the course of the season and scheming to your personnel. I'd say uh, um, call me a spoiled Alabama fan, but this has not been our best season uh, for seeing those kinds of traits. Uh, those are typically hallmarks of, uh, of a Saban uh, team. This team hasn't manifest. Uh, all of those things. And it's fun to hear that other teams still know how to do that. And yep. uh, maybe there's an opportunity. Uh, I suspect we're going to make some coaching changes across our, st our staff. And those will be objectives that uh, Tide fans will be after. I know the team as well. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Let's flip the field and talk defense. Uh, you've talked about uh, defense scheme and 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 throwing different things at you. It does look like a uh, more of a three three five. A lot of people are basing yep. out of a nickel now. You know, there's some size. Uh, big Ray Horton in the middle. There's some yep. speed off the edge with Kwame Sutton, active linebacker, leading the team. And the most opportuni uh, opportunistic unit probably is the secondary. Sort of walk us through the the defense. Sure. What can Alabama fans look for? Well, you mentioned Ray Horton. We'll start right there in the middle. Defensive nose guard or defensive tackle on this three-man front. Uh, 6'3", 331. I call him the fire plug. He basically is going to sit there in the middle, and you're going to have to work around him. He'll get pushed, uh, but it's not really his intent to make pressure and try to go get in the lap of the quarterback. He wants to occupy so that Kwame Sutton and Javon Young can work off the edge. Uh, Chuck Manning Jr., guy who transferred to us from North Carolina Central, uh, 32 tackles on the year, uh, five and a half tackles for loss as well off the edge. And then Eric Odom and then uh, Eric Bentley, actually Aaron Odom and Eric Bentley. I tried to make two guys into one there. You know, we've, we've gotten to where we're too deep uh, across those three-man front. And the level of play, when you go to that second level, doesn't go here to here. It stays consistent. And that's been the fantastic thing. You look at our linebacking core, when those three men up front are doing their best, that allows a guy like Josh Rudolph or Antoine Williams, who's on the Buck Buchanan Award watch list, to roam around and make the plays. You know, Antoine leads us with 81 stops on the season. Uh, Josh Rudolph, a young man from Birmingham – or, excuse me, Montgomery, Alabama. I'm putting the wrong Bama. Not, but I get in trouble for that, I know. Uh, but Josh is a guy uh, who can fly around. Antoine's more of a – you'll see him on the tight inside if there is coverage responsibilities. Uh, Josh is a run stopper, not afraid to go get his, his – uh, uh, Get, it, get dirty and get in the middle. Daryl Doc Rogan is a guy that uh, – and Hosea Knightley, they play kind of the bandit. So you'll see three down linemen, but you'll see maybe a fourth man creep up standing up as a stand-up defensive end. That's our bandit position or our bandit backer. Uh, Doc Rogan, a young guy from Nashville, Tennessee, again, 6'1", 160, 170. 
almost that speed safety spur back. Some people call it in, in this alignment, but Doc's one of those guys that'll fly over the all over the field. And I promise you, there's every bag of ice on every joint of his body after a contest. That's just the way he plays. Jose Anifley, a young sophomore from Bowling Green, Kentucky, that's really come along this year after redshirting for a year, uh, kind of spells him at times. So again, that depth, and you mentioned the back end. Uh, it starts with for us with Corey Chapman, a young man from Hoover, Alabama, went to Hoover High School. Uh, Chapman's a guy, you know, 5'11", 200 pounds. He's a junior for us, so he's been with defense coordinator Chris Kappas for a couple of years. He's the captain on the back end. He can put you in any position. They'll bring him in pressure. They'll bring him off the edge. They'll bring him straight up the A-gap, whatever they need. Chapman's just those guys that he can go He can go cover on the corner as well if, that, if it's called for. But uh, Corey Chapman's really stepped up and been a big part of this defense. Shamari Simmons is a name you'll hear. Uh, Demetrius Ford, who just picked off two passes against uh, Kennesaw State this past weekend, a young man that transferred us from Youngstown State. So he got another Penguin red and white. Now where's the governor red and white? Uh, but Demetrius is a guy who is a – uh, almost mighty mouse. He's five foot eight, legitimately five foot eight, 170. But you're not going to shake. He, he will get in your hip pocket. He will play in the belly of the receiver, knock things away, rip arms down at the right time. He just has that knowledge of, and he's always had it because he's always been undersized with what his competition was. He knows how to play properly. He knows how to play within the limits of the line and the law. Uh, and Demetrius is one of those guys that's just fun to watch cover. Because usually, like I said, he's given up five or six inches to everybody he sees. I know we'll see that as well with Brooks and Earl and, and across this weekend. But uh, Demetrius is a guy that can that can hang with them, and I, I like to see those kind of matchups. Three picks, fourteen pass deflections. Yep. That's incredible. Breakups. Yep. Yeah. And, and again, it, it's just one of those things where there's nobody that's going to outrun him. And against his size, he's going to be the first guy when somebody else sees him on film. They're going to think we're going after the little guy. But he just, he's always been the little guy. He's right. always had to play with that mentality that everybody's going to come challenge me. Come out here and let's see what I can do. And as you said, the breakups, the pass deflections, uh, it, 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 he's not Dion. He's not going to come up and not tackling you. He'll still hit. But, uh, you know, his, his strength is coverage, and it's, it's fun to watch him work. What are you looking for on Saturday? What's a what's a couple of things that would need to happen or that you would uh, – that you're looking to, to see – that uh, that that would make for a productive day uh, for Austin P. That's a fair question. It's very fair, and I'm not trying to skirt it. And by my first answer is health, because as you said, starting this interview, our main goal. And this is absolutely <laughs> no disrespect to Coach Saban or Alabama. We're looking for Sunday. We sure. know what the FCS playoff picture hopefully looks like, and hopefully includes a governor team on Sunday morning. So i got to come out of there healthy. I've got to have a team ready to go next Saturday uh, to go into the opening round of the FCS playoffs. So, and again, that, that's not being disrespectful. That's just being honest and truthful. I, we have to be able to run the football. We have to be able to play ahead of the change. If we get in third and eights and third pluses against your defense, knowing what's coming, you know, it'll be a long day for us. We've got to be able to get positive on first and second downs and play with third and five or less. I think our passing game – uh, allows us to make those movements and move the chains. I think our running game is strong enough that we can do that. Uh, ones on ones early on, we just got to be able, like I said, stay in front of the chains and play. And, and for us at any at this level, and I've always said this, whether we played, we you know we've gone to Knoxville to play Tennessee, we played other folks. We, we've got to do something in the special teams area. We've got to get the third phase in our favor. Whether it's block a punt, whether it's get a great return to give us a short field, whether it's a great kickoff coverage to make you have a longer field, that third phase is is so uh, so beneficial or so 
pivotal, I think, in games like this, FCS, FBS, or smaller school, big school, however you want to say it, that, that third phase is always so crucial where you can steal something or, or get an edge, and, and I think that'll be pivotal to us. I like that. You know, I want to, I want to, you sort of hit it in a, in a line of question that I wanted to poke at. And I, for me, it's a, it's a very compelling topic. I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to ask first. It feels like maybe burying the lead, but the kids, the players, they're the focus, right? And so I appreciate you walking us through, you know, the the players and the focus. And now, you know, we have a, so much a greater uh, respect and understanding, you know, for the uh, Austin P personnel. But but you know, you talk about a game like this coming out of this game with uh, with health because your work, Austin P's work, is still out there. Uh, making the playoffs and being ready to go because that's next Saturday. And so, you know, it's a, it's a question that's a throwaway question and it feels like it's a pat on the back, no pat on the backs here. What's, what is it about a game? It could be Alabama. It could be someone else. You know, these FBS, FCS games sometimes get a nickname that aren't always the most flattering nicknames. Right. And we're not going to, we're not playing that here. What is it about a game like this uh, all respect to the competitive spirit, the players. But what's different about a game like this for the team, for the players, for the students, for the university? Sort of what's, you know, tell us a side of this that maybe we don't get to see. Well, and I'll take it from my side being the announcer. You know, I tried to play college football. You know, I, I was a guy who got a uniform for a couple of years and never had success, I'll be honest, but, you know, still love this game, love this game so much so that I spend my Saturdays in the broadcast booth following along. Um, you know, let, let's be honest. The first impact of this game for Austin Peay State University is the financial impact. We all know that there is a check coming from Alabama to Austin Peay to play this contest. There's no doubt about it. We're the warm-up game for the Iron Bowl. Glad to be there. No, not a problem at all. But there is something to be said for, for pride and prestige. We're all fans first. Even these young men that are going to put their helmets on on Saturday, whether they're wearing crimson or red, they're all fans of this game. You know, I grew up with the 11 o'clock Jefferson Pilot start. I actually got giddy when I learned this was an 11 o'clock kick because I knew exactly what that meant to me. It means that me and my father, after myself playing a Friday night high school game, would get up and sit down over a fried bologna sandwich and a Coca-Cola and watch that 11 o'clock Jefferson Pilot kickoff and watch Brian Denny Stadium and watch, you know, go to Athens or go to Mississippi State. Those things still mean something to me. My son is uh, now of age that uh, uh, he, he'll be with me on the trip. He's my spotter. Uh, so it means something that he and I can go experience this as well, just like me and my dad did in front of those televisions for years and years. Uh, but it, it, it's still the history. You know, we went to Pitt a couple years ago. We got to play in what was Heinz Field. I don't know what it's called now. They've sold the bride. But anyway. You're in Heinz Field. How many games have you ever seen in Heinz Field where Roethlisberger or Bettis was running down the field? How many games have we watched here where it's Amari Cooper or, um, you know, even the broadcast booth guys and the, and, the, and the quarterbacks that have come through that term? We've gone to Rocky Top, you know, and played it, played there. We played at Vanderbilt. We played at Ole Miss two years ago, uh, right before the lane train came through. So it, it, there's still some prestige to where you're playing because we all know the history of the game and appreciate the history of the game and the ambiance, you know, to be able to, to see the stands full. You know, we play at Forterra Stadium, a fantastic stadium on the FCS level. If you do get to come back to Clarksville, you're more than welcome. I'd love to have you. Uh, you know, for FCS football, for that stadium, we're going to put not eight 9,000 people in there on a great game day. You guys put eighty to 90,000 people on a great game day. So there's that experience as well for those young men just to, to hear that roar, to know that feeling. You know, I try, when I tried to play college football, I was at Middle Tennessee. 
we went to Tallahassee and played. Um, got to see Charlie Ward uh, run all over us. And, uh, you know, but I still remember those moments. I, I remember more the bus ride going in and seeing that horse come across and that spirit mid, at midfield more than I remember parts of the game, to be honest. Uh, so there is still something to be said about the pageantry and the appreciation of what this game gives you memory-wise and enjoyment and uh, things you can't be taken away from. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's awesome. That's It's always, you know, fun and interesting to, you know, hear that perspective and, and, to, and to hear it not to assume it or or speculate it. It's fun to hear it. And just the excitement in your voice was, was something. You know, we played, uh, uh, there was a, a couple of years ago, I think Mercer tried to play every uh, SEC team they could over a couple of year period. And someone, you know, actually did an article over, you know, what that experience is like. And, and they talked about using that money to build new buildings on campus. Yep. And you think, wow, that's not just funding a you know, a program, which that's important too, but they're leaving, you know, they're trading those games uh, for a, a forever change to their campus footprint. And hopefully somewhere scrawled in those buildings, they have the names of those players or, or something, right? And, and, uh, uh, and that was a, that was fun. And, and so, you know, equally, so it's, it's fun to hear about, uh, uh, you know, Austin being in the excitement and, and, and you're right. It's a, it, the environment is, will be new and different. Well, to expand, and like I said, I know there's not a lot of folks there who may be Austin P. historians or know about our program, but uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, we didn't have football. We had a president who thought that uh, it was time to cut corners and cut uh, cost and spending, so we had, we, we death penaltyed ourselves, uh, came back to non-scholarship football, uh, and then in 2011-12, got back to scholarship football and still rebuilding, so yes, when we go play the Tennessees, the Alabamas, the Vanderbilts, even we go to Pittsburgh or, or whoever we can pick up to go, it, it is to still keep rebuilding. And whether it be rebuilding the, the the locker room or the weight room, whether it's to pay for the softball field and, and those non-revenue Olympic sports that you know don't have these opportunities, that's what these games are for for our level. You know, we you know we understand and and I and I still get a chuckle and I'll just you know full full disclosure. Every time I see the SEC cut their uh, television rights uh, package and see what every school receives, that's triple our athletic budget for a year. And that's, and that's just a small section of what, you know, schools right. in, the, in the Southeastern <clears throat> Conference, ACC, and not, not just Southeastern Conference, let's sure. be honest. Um, but, but that's what we're working with. And that's why these games have to be played for the existence. Trust me, I know and I'm, I believe the SEC eventually will go to a full SEC schedule and eliminate games like this. That'll hurt us. That'll hurt the FCS level. That'll hurt that second level of football. Um, but, you know, we'll rally around and see what we can do and go play it. I hope they don't for lots Same. of reasons. Same. Uh, I hope they don't for lots of reasons. Brian, I'm going to get you out of here on a, on a question. I may be overstepping, overstepping my, stepping my welcome here. But um, the voice of Austin P. do you have a call? that you can give us? Do you have a, a, a catchphrase or a call or touchdown govs or what, what, do you, what do you got you can give us? I'll tell you what you do. If you, if, you, if your folks want to hear, uh, I, we have a great video production crew and you can follow our football team at govs, G-O-V-S-F-B on Twitter. I started announcing at the high school level, which a lot of us do, uh, and then got lucky enough to host some coaches show and then just kind of waited my turn. And now that I've just, this, this is my eighth season as the play-by-play voice for Austin football. My touchdown call is very similar to a soccer goal. And I'll tell you what, I remember as a child 
listening to the radio, listening to John Ward out of Tennessee, listening to the hot nail boot out of Georgia when I could get those calls on the radio. But you, weren't, you, you, you couldn't dedicate your time 100% to it. You couldn't listen to every snap and every play. But you could hear the announcer when a big play happened, when the tone of their voice changed, when the inflection just completely changed. So my touchdown call is very elongated on touchdown, and then I'll shove governors on the backside of it, because I want that radio listener to know, hey, come back to me. Something big just happened. And that's my purpose. So they're kind enough, though, to include some of those on those video packages. So find us on Twitter at GovsFB. Uh, you can hear my touchdown call, hopefully after a couple, definitely after a couple at Kennesaw, which were very exciting to me. Uh, that's that's a tough owl team. But anyway, that's another story. But, uh, yeah, that, that's that's my that's my hook, if you will, is I want you to know I, I was that kid on the radio. I was that kid who had to do the yard work and had to do the chores and couldn't just sit the entire time and watch like I wanted to, but I could turn the radio on. And when I heard that announcer and I heard that inflection, I heard those cheers, I knew it was time to turn it back up or get back over there and listen. Yeah. So that's the reason my touchdown call is that, because I want to get your attention and bring you back to me and let you get caught up exactly where the governors are. Fantastic. I'm working with my producer. We're going to, we're going to insert that here. <laughs> okay. That'll work. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Brian, it's been such an honor uh, to have you on and, and talk ball, uh, you know, this evening. We we so greatly appreciate it. I'm going to I have to stick with my loyalties, you know, as an Alabama guy. But I hope you get one Saturday. I hope I hope you get one of those in on Saturday. Is that fair? Much appreciated. Much appreciated. I hope we do. Hey, I, I, I'll be honest with you again. Full disclosure. I know I'm headed to dreamland. So I know I'm getting a good meal at least once. I've never been to Tuscaloosa, so I know I want to walk around monuments and, and, and get pictures uh, uh, of the coaches' statues around. So, uh, again, I'm a fan first. I'm, I'm going to okay. take it all in, get down there Friday early and take it all in. I think the uh, team has a tour of the facilities. Uh, the Alabama group kind enough to do that for us. And, again, we get to dream. We get to see what we could and what could be. And, and, and there's nothing that says that down the road there can't be – things like that at an Austin P and we can't make that move the FBS level down the road as well. So it's going to be fun, but yes, I am headed for my full loaf of bread in dreamland. As soon as I get into town, no doubt. Fantastic. That is a win right there. I tell you what, Brian, thanks so much for joining us and uh, good luck to you guys Saturday. Enjoy your trip to Tuscaloosa. Dave, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Let's go pee. All right. <laughs> I'm glad you worked that one in. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And there you have it, Alabama fans. Wasn't that great? Uh, just like we said, Brian, the voice, the authentic voice of Austin P. joining us tonight uh, to talk about the governors, give us their perspective of the game. And uh, what a tremendous conversation. What a tremendous uh, opportunity that was uh, for us. We so enjoy you joining us uh, this evening. We so appreciate it. 
And uh, hey, if you enjoy these interviews, hop over to your iTunes or your podcast downloader and leave us a review. We really do appreciate it. And uh, it helps us in the rankings and it uh, helps people find the show. And so if you enjoy it and you know that other Alabama fans would as well, leave us a review. Uh, not just the, the stars, but leave us commentary. We love that. Uh, it's another opportunity uh, to engage with everyone. Again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for your support and roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.